This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. Throughout the Bible, bread is referred to as a life-saving food, both physically and figuratively. So why do so many people avoid it today and become healthier as a result? By special request from Michael Rood, Sue Becker joins us tonight to explain how man has interfered with Yehovah's original intention for bread and how the adulteration of bread represents what man has also done to Yehovah's word. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Shabbat Shalom to our fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. Hey, speaking of Michael, the new series we are starting tonight was a special request directly from Michael. He called me up and said, hey, I want to have this lady on, get a hold of her. So we did. So we watched some of Sue Becker's videos about bread on YouTube and she, he wanted us to interview her. So I know I'm a health nut. I am gluten-free, so you know, interviewing somebody about bread was like, well, whatever. I mean, I was skeptical to say the least. However, Sue Becker is changing my mind. In fact, I just bought a 40-pound pail, pail of uh, wheat berries <laughs> because Good of what I'm you. learning from her. So that is not normal for me. I don't buy a 40 40-pound bucket of wheat berries. But anyway, so let's talk about that with someone who helped us get set up for her for her visit in the kitchen studio for this. Her name is Angie Clark, our Ambassador Club Coordinator. Welcome, Angie. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Glad to be here again. So now, yeah, so Sue Becker, I was so impressed by what she taught us that yes. I literally went home and I went to her website, uh, breadbeckers.com. You'll yes. see that all over the, the episode. But uh, I bought a, a six-gallon, 42-pound pail of hard red spring wheat Good berries. Good for you. Yes. Good for you. And, you know, th this is one of those things where people say, oh, come on, I took bread out of my, my life a long time ago. I'm a lot better for it. Yes, you may be, but I thought I was too until you hear her story. Right. And it's all how you make it. So And how healthy it is, yeah. how good it is for you. Yes. Now she is a, a, a I believe a biochemist or something to that effect. Right. I, I don't want to get that wrong, but something. Some, yeah, yeah, something like that. So and, and she really knows her stuff. Mm -hmm. So she started teaching about this, and I'm like, oh, maybe I need to rewind here and just take my biases out because we hear all these other uh books called like Wheat Belly and right. uh, Grain Brain and right. things like this right. where, you know, grains have been vilified as a food that, you know, is, like, well, we don't want to do that anymore. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I, that's such a disconnect from the Bible. Right. I mean, we're all trying to get back to the Torah. And when it says to do this and, you know, don't eat the things like the, the shellfish and all kind of thing, but bread is mentioned all over the place. Mm -hmm. So how can bread be bad today? Well, it's bad because of, well, I'll, it's I'll let process. Yeah, it's process. And we'll let Sue explain how. Yeah. But the beauty is only taking what you need, you know, uh, and, and then making it at that point. And she'll explain the whole process. But isn't that just like Yehovah? Yes. Gives us, and I have a little saying that I have on a sticky note at, at my desk, and it says, exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. Mm. 
not before, not after. He wants us to be dependent on him day by day. God, that works in every venue it of really life. It really does. You know, and I've often mentioned on the stage how I, when I was going through my green card process, that was really just hang on. Right. It's coming. No, He's it not going to leave you abandoned. Mm-hmm. And if you're going through something right now, I, I encourage you to just hang on. He, he hasn't abandoned you. And change the way you pray. This, this also changed the way I pray. I mean, it's a little bit off topic from the bread thing. No, this but, is good. But this is, I, I changed the way I pray instead of, oh God, please this and please that. No, I start proclaiming the word. Absolutely. You know, we hear that, you know, in our former days in church all the time, just proclaim the word. And I never really understood what that was until I started doing it. That's and that is basically answers. saying, your word says this, right. I believe that. Amen. So instead of asking him for it, saying, you've already said this, I'm standing on it. And it's weird, not weird, it should be self-explanatory, I guess. But when I put myself in that place to say, I believe you, I don't care what it looks like on the surface. Right. Because this green card situation I had did look impossible. You are proclaiming this, I'm gonna stand on it. Yehovah responded and said, almost like, good for you, thanks for believing me. me. Boop. And that's why it's Problem called, over. That's why it's called warfare. That is exactly We have to contend it. for the faith. And right. it's not sobbing and saying, oh me, but it's proclaiming his word. Yep. And that, that, that phrase, uh, confidence in the faith, Confident, that's what it is. It's, you know, you... Pr- it holds much reward. It, yes, yes. Much reward. So you have to have that confidence in Jehovah. Don't guess and going, is he gonna, is he not? It, oh. No, your word says this, right. period. Right. And Truth you, is truth. You do that, believe me, stuff starts to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. so it's a good thing. Right. But anyway, so getting back to the bread. Yeah, she, Sue is amazing. Uh, you're gonna love I, I this lo- series. I loved when she walked in the door. Uh-huh. Michael was already in here and she walks in the door and he could... He meets her. He said, I'm so glad you're here. I can't believe you are. And she said, I'm so glad I'm here. I can't believe I am either. (laughs) They were just so happy to see each other. Each of them was starstruck. It was hilarious. I know. It's (laughs) like they were long lost friends. It was so fun. Yeah. And so we're going to actually bake bread with with Sue uh, on the fourth episode. I mean, we brought her in. I, to be honest, I thought, okay, this 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 lady does bread, whatever. Right. We're gonna get maybe one episode of Shabbat Night Live. We have a four episode series for oh you out gosh. of this thing, and so you're gonna learn so much. And uh, she is going to actually bake bread with us in the um, in the fourth episode. And, and get this, it's only gonna take her 20 minutes from beginning to end amazing. to go from wheat berries to a finished product. You're gonna be amazed at how easy this is. And you think, well, wait a minute, wheat berries, isn't that like the, the kernels of grain? Yes, it is. So what, are you gonna have like an ox in your house with like a gr- grinding, <laughs> you know, a stone, uh, what do they call that, the grinding stone? Yeah. No, you don't have to do that. You can get an appliance about the size of a coffee maker now. Yeah. And you can do this at your house. And in fact, we- And have, on her website. Yeah, and, and on her website. And at home at our house, we have one, it's a, it's a hand crank one for uh, just, you know, when the, the brimstone hits the fan, uh, that we can still do this. And I think so. that was one of Michael's intention was to help people get prepared. You know, with this yes. uh, with this program that we're doing, it's so unique and different yeah. than anything we've ever done. And I do appreciate it. Is. it. And I think, you know, it's gonna have more meaning than we even realize because I when- agree. You know, when when Yehovah brings, and I truly say Yehovah brings us guests for the show. It's not like we plan it out like we say, okay, well, we're going to have Joe Kovacs. And before that, we're going to have Doug Hamper. We're going to line right. it up just perfect. These people come when they come. We don't plan this out. They they send us an email saying, hey, I, I have a new book or something yeah. like that. Oh, okay, great. And it is the Holy Spirit because ever since we did Revelation preparation, that really struck a chord with folks. That yeah. sort of turned things from, okay, right. we've studied the Bible, we know the Bible, now what? Okay, now we take the Bible into action, into our lives, because this is what's coming. 
And Yehovah has put a, a mantle on this ministry and, and you know, with, with Michael as well, Michael's blessing saying, yes, go in this direction. Let's prepare thing, people right. for what's coming. Let's get ready. Here's the people you need to talk to. Here's the people you need to listen to. You need to listen to Sue Becker to understand how to make bread, even if you're not into gluten right now, because you're gonna learn it's not a big deal. And you're, it's, she's going to change your mind on things. Yeah, it's it's really about changing your mind on certain things, mm -hmm. and uh, so that's why we're going to have Sue in. So I'm excited. About I that. am too. Yeah. And now, speaking of exciting, we've been talking about this for the last several weeks. It's your last week to get Michael Rude's. Uh, he, he says, "This is Michael Rude. I'm Michael Rude, and I, this is it's my just, pillow." This is my pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is not a my pillow pillow. It's just a regular pillow, but it's a beautiful, nice, squishy pillow, and it's uh, it has the name of Yehovah on it, scanned directly from the Aleppo Codex. This is your gift with hundred dollars or more, and Doug Hamp's teaching. Gog and Magog, and for $300 or more, we'll give you this and also these beautiful uh, crystal salt and pepper shakers. There's only, like I say, a few days left for this. At June 30th, we are no longer offering this. It's not gonna be on the website, so if this thing seems like something you wanna get, go ahead and get it. We've offered you know, other things before, like the blanket, yeah. uh, other things that have the name of Yehovah on it. So continue the collection. There's only a few days these to do are, it. These are very elegant for your Sabbath table, for your yes, Shabbat table. Too. And it says uh, Shabbat Kadosh on yes. there, the Holy Sabbath on there. Holy so. Sabbath. All right, thanks, Andrew. You're welcome, Scott. Alrighty, throughout the Bible, bread is referred to as a life-saving food, physically and figuratively. So, why do so many people avoid it now and become healthier? Good question. Well, by special request from Michael Rude, Sue Becker is joining us tonight to explain how man has interfered with Yehovah's original intention for bread. That's episode one of Against the Grain. It's coming up next. And you may want to make some of Sue's bread for the kiddish next week. But mm -hmm. <laughs> that's coming up next. Stay tuned. Most believers, at one point or another, attempt to decipher the book of the Revelation. But without context, it's difficult to understand. This month, Michael Rood wants to give you a teaching that will make your Bible come alive and reveal the fascinating end-time truth of Yeshua's victory against the enemy of his people. What really is going to happen is there's going to be an epic battle when Yeshua comes. He's going to fight against an individual named Gog, the Beast, Antichrist, the little horn, son of perdition, they're all the same thing. Dr. Douglas Hamp helps to unravel one of the most misunderstood events of the end times, Gog and Magog. This teaching is an exclusive thank you gift for your support of Arut Awakening International. Donate a $50 love gift and we'll send you Gog and Magog with Dr. Douglas Hamp on DVD or Blu-ray. Or donate $100 and we'll send you Gog and Magog I'm Michael Rood, and this is my pillow. Plus, Michael Rood's favorite pillow, featuring the name of Yehovah, scanned from the Aleppo Codex. Or donate $300, and we'll send you Gog and Magog with Dr. Douglas Hamp. Michael Rood's favorite pillow, featuring the name of Yehovah. Plus, these elegant crystal salt and pepper shakers, featuring scenes from Jerusalem and the words Shabbat Kodesh in Hebrew. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. These special gift collections featuring the Gog and Magog teaching from Dr. Douglas Hamp are available only in June and supplies are limited. Call to make your donation today and receive these exclusive thank you gifts. Call 888-766-3610. That's 888-766-3610 or get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. 
Some of the traditions in modern-day Judaism are what Yeshua said are takanot, laws which change biblical law, which are forbidden, and Yeshua said don't do them. But other traditions are remembrances of good things in the past, and they are a shadow picture of good things to happen in the future. On the Sabbath, we take two hollow loaves, two loaves of bread. This represents the manna, the double portion that we received on the sixth day. This was God's provision for us. And this is what it continues to mean to us today. When Yeshua, just before his crucifixion, the night before his crucifixion, at the last supper that he had with his disciples, he took bread and he blessed, not the bread, he blessed the Most High. And he said, Baruch atah, Yehovah, Elohino melech ha'olam, hamotzi lechem min ha'aretz. And he broke the bread and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, remember this, by his stripes, we were healed. And then he took the cup and he said, in the prayer of Melchizedek to Abraham, Baruch atah Yahuvah, Elohim melech ha'olam, Borei Puri Hagafen. Blessed are you, Yahuvah, our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said this, what you have been doing for a thousand years from the time of Abraham, this represents the renewed covenant in my blood. This is how I will pay for the broken covenant. I will pay the death penalty and do this until I come. All right, so you know I'm a health guy, right? I look after people's health, I help them to get healthier, and there's many ways to do it. I've seen people reverse cancer, heart disease, diabetes with a vegan diet. I did that for many years. Now my wife and I teach a keto diet. Well, that's completely the opposite of a vegan diet, yet it works. So there's many ways to get healthy and to correct things that are wrong in our body. But why do we have to resort to things like a vegan diet, a keto diet? Are we missing something here? Is there something that God has created, Yehovah has created all along that we are missing? Where are we going wrong? Someone who can tell us a lot about that is Sue Becker, who joins me today from The Bread Beckers. You are the founder. Welcome, Sue, of The Bread Beckers. Oh, thank and, you uh, so much for having me here. And you are right. We're missing something. <laughs> we are. And you know, that's crazy. Like, people think, oh, well, I have to do this diet or I have to do that diet. And yes, they do work. I have seen stage four cancers reverse from both of those types of eating. But it's like, okay, well, God has provided us with these workarounds. But yes. why do we need a workaround? So let's start with your history of where you all came from. Uh, you went to, uh, as I saw from your, your mug that you brought in. <laughs> My University of Georgia. University of Georgia, the dogs, dogs. okay. And national champions this year. <laughs> <laughs> I have to put that plug in. So. Absolutely. So. Yeah, um, so yes, and you know, and restrictive diets work because we're typically leaving off unhealthy foods, but mm -hmm. we don't really want, God never intended us to leave out a whole food right. group, and that's where we get in the problem. So 
where did you start from? Where did you discover I, all this? Okay, I mean. so I guess go back all the way to high school. I loved science, um, mm -hmm. knew I wanted to go to college. I uh, graduated high school, went to the University of Georgia as a pre-med student, got to Georgia, realized that I really did not want to be in school that long or have <laughs> that type of grueling career. I knew I wanted to be a wife and a mother first and foremost. I knew I did, but I did want to study the science and go into a career that would help people. So I changed my major to pharmacy. Okay. Um, I was I uh, was accepted into pharmacy school, spent a quarter there and went, this isn't really what I want to do either. And I think through God's direction, he led me to the dean of pharmacy school, led me to food science. Um, and as a junior, he said, all your credits, you know, everything you've taken, you won't lose an hour, which is very important. And um, it was an up and coming industry. So I studied food science. I liked the diversity of the field. So I focused mo more on the microbiology in graduated from the University of Georgia, met my husband at the University of Georgia. We were married our senior year. And you mentioned that he was a, no, sorry, it's not it, that, he was a gymnast. Yes, he was. Which is interesting because my, my kids are both gymnasts. So yeah. that's close yes, to my heart. Yes, he was a, on scholarship at the University of Georgia. That's how we met and um, graduated, moved to Atlanta. And I worked for Kraft Foods for almost five years before I started having children um, as a food microbiologist there. So um, plugged along, I laugh often and I, I continued to study after I graduated college. I said, I did not sell my biochemistry books and my <laughs> physiology and my micro books back. Those were books that I kept. Um, after graduating, I, I laugh sometimes and say I was a better student after college than I was <laughs> in college. But I read, um, I just loved studying the works of the late Adele Davis. You know, my, uh, she was a biochemist, just books. And I kind of came at everything with my background. I had enough knowledge to come at everything like illness-wise, that if something wasn't working right in my body, I was probably missing a nutrient. Mm -hmm. So I kind of studied that. Back in the 70s and early 80s, most of what you read was about supplementation, not as much about diet, a little bit. But I ate fairly healthy, and then I would supplement. <clears throat> so it just plugged along, and then I began having children. And I'm Southern. We cook. So we ate real food. I didn't buy packaged things. But in 1991, I was introduced to a healthy eating concept that radically changed my life. Okay. Through a publication, a medical publication, I learned the history of white flour, what had been done to those grains to make that flour. And then in that same publication, it had a brief discussion of most of the common diseases that plague America and how it was directly related to our consumption of white flour. And mm. when white flour came on the scene, the health of our country started to drastically decline. With my background, this made perfect sense to me. As a food scientist and in my studies, I don't know why I never put the pieces of the puzzle together before. I think as a food scientist, when I read the the ingredient label on bread or flour or whatever, and it said enriched, I thought, yay, we are doing, you yes. know, we're doing the world a favor as, as food industry. We're putting these vitamins back in to make it better than it was. But here's what I learned <clears throat> in that journal. I learned that grains are the most nutrient-dense food that God has given us. I learned that wheat actually is a nearly perfect food, contrary to what we're hearing hmm. today. But I learned that only when it is freshly milled are all the nutrients contained. And we can talk about hmm. that a little more in detail in a bit. 
I learned that the food industry was indeed not doing us a favor, but they were replacing a mere fraction of the nutrients that were lost by removing the bran and germ. They began to remove the outer part is the bran, the inner part is the germ, where all the vitamins, minerals, fiber, the oils, and the fats, they began to remove that from the flour to keep the flour from spoiling. This led to the invention of these huge steel rolling mills, came on the scene about 1900. Mm. White flour, white bread became food for the masses. Is that where we get the term of rolled <laughs> oats? I think that's, you know, we still use that term, um, that same kind of machinery no, that is. No, rolled oats actually, oats are very um, soft grain, mm -hmm. and they're actually a little different anatomy from most other grains. The fiber and the oils are in the bran, the germ, and the endosperm. Ah. So they're really not as processed. I think that's why so many doctors, when they tell you to increase your fibers, eat oatmeal, because ah. it is a grain that still has all the fiber intact, but oats actually do spoil. So mm. because of the oils. And so they, they're soft and they'll send it through a machine that just flattens them, rolls okay. it. So this yeah. is something different, these rolling machines yes, you're talking yes. about. Yes, yes. No, okay. these are steel rolling mills that would the grain would drop through, crush the grain. Because the bran and germ part is more coarse, then they, it would go through a sifter. You all might have your grandmother's sifter that she sifted her flour. That would sift out the coarser bran and mm -hmm. then leave you with this long-lasting white flour. So um, that came on the scene in the early 1900s. And so this was, this shook my world. It opened my mm. eyes to what was being done to the flower. And then I could see the relationship of the common diseases um, that even I was struggling mm. with some. And so um, I was led to purchase a little in-home grain mill. And uh, it's still the most valuable appliance on my kitchen counter today. But um, so I purchased this grain mill. And it's funny because, you know, in my readings, I knew that whole wheat flour was better, you know, so I'd buy the stuff from the store and it's dry and like sandpaper and I couldn't get a decent muffin or just without adding some white right. flour to it. I later learned it's because they remove the oil even from that mm. and partially de-germ it so that it doesn't spoil as quickly. But anyway, so I'm very passionate. By the end of this episode, <laughs> everyone will know, as you already know in our talking. <clears throat> and so... I, I'm, I kind of, I said, we're doing this, you know, and if we have to choke this bread down, white flour is never coming into our house again. We're, it's all whole grain. To my surprise, this little grain mill comes into my home. I mill flour, I make bread, and the bread was delicious. Hmm. Absolutely delicious. Light and fluffy, and I made pancakes and I made muffins. Absolutely delicious. But the coolest thing was I made bread today. I ate bread today, and the next morning, I pooped. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Constipation was gone. Something I had struggled with all my growing up here, all my life, really. I didn't know it was really that big a problem. When you start getting a little older, you go, hmm, something's not right with this. And I had tried all kinds of things outside of chemical laxatives. I knew I didn't want to go there. And some gave me some relief, but it wasn't something you could do every day. But now all I had to do was eat my bread and no problem. Mm. So that was gone forever. Um, I had five young children at the time. And I homeschooled and I, you know, had young children and I was tired. 
I started eating the bread and I noticed I was not tired as much. I mm. had energy. I noticed my sugar cravings went away. We talked a little bit about that. The, I was now getting the good complex carbohydrates that my body craved for energy. I was now getting this sustained release of these carbohydrates for my energy. I noticed my dependence on antihistamines went completely away. It took me a little while to figure that one out, but... Um, well, let's talk about that. Gone. So you were on antihistamines. So yeah. I. I thought post-nasal drip was the way God made me. I thought it was my cross <laughs> I had to bear. Okay, it wasn't as bad. So I stayed congested. I had to take antihistamines at least at night, just about every night um, to sleep because I couldn't, mm. my nose, you know, would close up. I couldn't breathe. Well, what I later discovered, and, and like I said, the bread and the fiber and all that, I understood the constipation. I figured out the energy. I figured out the sugar cravings, but I was like, I can't figure this sinus congestion. Why did it all go away? Well, what I realized is my constipation. When we're constipated, you know, your bowels, that's where your body dumps the waste, the trash that it doesn't want. And it's like, take it out. And we're mm -hmm. supposed to go every day and take out the trash. And um, when I wasn't, and we don't, America's the most constipated nation in the world. Not sure how they found that out. But anyway, we are supposedly. <laughs> and um, so when we, when our bowels don't eliminate every day, those toxins are sitting there. Not getting taken out. Well, they're going to get reabsorbed. They're going to get absorbed into our body through our colon. And when those get into our system, then a body's response to toxins is to make mucus. So you can blow it out your nose or cough it up. To, to contain to it, to it, get rid yeah, of it. Yeah, to get rid of it. It's, an, it's another elimination system that we don't think about so much. Why do you think you get a snotty nose and congestion if you have a cold? It's because whatever virus or bacteria, what either the toxin it's producing or the bacteria itself, that's your body's response trying to get rid of it. Kind of mm -hmm. like diarrhea and throwing up. When people you get, have, or when yeah. people get the sweats. Exactly. Yes, yeah. mm -hmm. yeah, sweating. Fever, but this right? is something yeah. people don't make that connection. Mm. Well, when my bowels start moving every day, I'm eliminating my waste every day. All of this went away. And I can stand here today and tell you, I have not had an antihistamine or a decongestant of any kind since 1991. You know, and here's the funny thing, is that you went to something that was so natural. Yes. You went back to bread. Instead of going, well, this vegetarian diet works, yeah. or this ketogenic diet works, yeah. or this uh, paleolithic diet works. Yeah. Or, you, know, you just kind of went back to what the Bible says yes. about bread. And we're gonna yeah. get more into that as well. Yeah. But you, so, I mean, you love bread, right? I mean, I, you were a bread lover. Well, and this, this was the exciting thing. You know, in all my years of study, I've done green drinks, I've done brewer's yeast, I've done all kinds of things, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like you, vegan, now keto. You know, we right. go from one end to the other. And first thing I tell people is, how many are you still doing today? Most of us not. I'm mm -hmm. still doing this today, 31 years later. But here was the exciting thing. My kids love this. This was not something I had to coerce my children to eat. Eat your broccoli. Drink this green drink. Because when I handed them my green drink, they're like, mm, that's not happening. You know, <laughs> mm -mm, no, brewer's yeast. The brewer's yeast craze back in the late 70s. Were, you, oh, yeah. were, you probably weren't even born. <laughs> but anyway, it was like they promised you it tasted better if you made it a day ahead and refrigerated it. I would have hated to taste it the day before. Gave me energy because lots of B vitamins, but didn't touch my constipation didn't touch my sinus congestion, mm. didn't touch some of the basic issues. And we weren't a sickly family because we ate pretty well right. with everything except our bread. But this one change 
this one change brought significant, I mean, just that handful right there, most Americans are struggling with that. You know, constipation, sinus congestion, low energy, we're living on a more and more and more caffeine. Right. So as a mom of five children, I began to notice, especially my youngest child that was born, well, that was my sixth child then was conceived and born after bread. She never had the snotty nose, never, as a to- even as a wow. toddler. I began to notice, you know, that they weren't sick as much or as often. Like I said, not that we were a super sickly family, but none of them post-bread ever had an ear infection, which before hmm. we had those, you know, just post-bread. like- Post-bread. Most people would say, well, when you started eating bread, that's where everything went wrong. But we're going to get into like the proper way to do this. It was amazing. And it it was delicious. I mean, this was healthy food that we just added to what other real healthy foods we were already eating. And it was significant and noticeable and life-changing. One of my children's warts went away in the first month and I knew it was the bread. And we'll get to that maybe in another another session, but because that's exciting. That's a whole teaching in itself. But so um, I began to bake bread everywhere I went, just like bringing a basket of bread here, took it to church, gave it, you know, the next thing I knew people were asking me, would I make bread for them? And I, sure, yeah, I wanted them to be healthy too. So my children and I started a little business. We were making bread and selling it. And uh, my husband, Brad, and I, we for years had talked about starting businesses and people, because I cook, I think that's such a, a nom, you know, such an unusual thing these days. Right. And even back then, you know, people, oh, y'all should open a restaurant. We knew we did not want that. We knew we did not want a restaurant. But Brad kept saying, I want a food-related business because when typical, when difficult times come to our country, we have to eat. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'll never forget, I had been making bread all day for other people and my family, homeschooling my six children. Now it was six. And um, I remember he drove up coming home from work. He was in the construction business and I met him in the driveway and I said, I don't think I'm supposed to make bread for the world. I think I'm supposed to teach the world how to make bread for themselves. And I looked at him and I said, I think I'd like to start a business of selling grain mills and wheat. And yeah. And we came up with the name, the Bread Beckers, because actually a friend of mine, when I would take bread to church, she came up to my husband one day and she goes, you might be Brad Becker, but she is Mrs. Bread Becker. And uh, we kind of laughed at first. We thought, oh, that's kind of a cute, funny name. But um, then we realized that the Becker in German is uh, the baker. So Bread Bakers, it really... Oh, so there you it's go. Fred Beckers, and a lot of times people think we've misspelled it, but nope, that's that's <laughs> what it is. So that began our business, and um, we were very, very excited. And within the first week, God gave us a vision and spoke to me very directly that He was raising us up to be like Joseph's hmm. when hard and difficult times come to our nation to supply His people with grain. And here we are. So we started our little business, Bread Beckers, in our 1,300 square foot home with then six children. We went on to have number seven. We adopted two for nine children. Oh, my goodness. And 14 grandchildren today. But anyway, so we started our little business in, in our home. Um, and then that was in uh, November of 1992. We outgrew our home and what my husband and I and my oldest daughter and children could do. We had wheat in every corner and the carport and whatever. <laughs> and people would come, you know, and we incorporated in 1998 with a longtime friend and partner. And um, 
We have been teaching others the health benefits, and we've seen the same. People mm. will call me, and they'll go, it's the bread. This is the mm. only change I've made. My cholesterol dropped 85 points in a month. It's the bread. It's the only change I made, and 500 warts are gone off my daughter. It, it's the bread. Wow. And heart, I mean, just everything. And hey, and then the constipation. You have a funny story about when you first started your business, and there was, this, uh, there was a delivery issue. Uh, with with one company and then another. Yes. Uh, tell yes. us about that. <laughs> that that was a God thing. You okay. know, I, I I look back on my life and I see specific moments, like in the word story and different stories that just God orchestrated things. So so we got this Joseph vision the very first week of our business. I shared it with my husband. It was actually the day after the presidential election of 1992. Oh, okay. I woke up concerned about where I saw America headed. Um, my husband has always talked about thinking that a recession or depression, he's a history buff, you know, would come to our nation at some point, being in the construction industry. He was always concerned, you know, that that would be the worst and hardest hit. So I shared with him the Joseph vision that God had spoken to me that mm -hmm. he was going to raise us up to be Joseph's to store. So that was in 92. And, um, you know, him being in the construction industry, sometimes he'd be out of work for a little while. So we always saved. And, and I always say he was in the end, the tail end. He was in the finished millwork, the trim and everything. So it was seven days a week, sometimes over time. And so we'd have all this money. And so we'd save because then when that job was done, it might be two or three weeks before he got another job. So we had money in the savings account. Well, Brad came to me one day and he said, I think we should take that money and invest it in wheat. That, you know, let's, let's, I've taken this vision to heart. He took the vision very seriously. So we called two companies and mind you, this is in the early days. Today we have a supplier and we get it in by the semi truckload. But so we ordered from one place 5,000 pounds of grain in buckets already packaged. And so that, that company, this was, you know, back in 1993, he said, well, it could be six months. We don't know. When we get a truckload that's going that direction, we'll ship it to you. Okay. So we found another supplier. We ordered 5,000 pounds from them. Okay. When we get a truckload, we'll send it to you. So we're like, okay, not knowing when they were either going to come. Well, we get a call. They are both coming. These are two, two different states, two different, you know, two different companies. We get a phone call, ends up, they are both coming the same day. Oh, no. Within a few hours of each other. Now, we have, we have six children. Thankfully, we had three boys, strong boys, and my oldest daughter, you know. So we're unloading this wheat bucket at a time in the back of the, in the church parking lot, taking it truckload at a time to our carport, to our basement, to his parents' house, you know, all, we're just getting this wheat before the next truck comes in. And we're all excited, you know, we've got wheat. We're, we're Joseph, you know, we've got wheat. So we're all excited until the nighttime comes, the enemy comes in the night, especially to women, I think. <laughs> and I start going, what have we done? And I couldn't sleep. Brad is sound asleep. He's exhausted, first of all, from all those buckets. But um, I couldn't sleep. I'm fearful all of a sudden going, we just had to write a check. So it was interesting that they both came and, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't have time to save for the next load. It all came that day, wrote that check. We didn't have as much money as I oh. like to have in the savings account. So I was very fearful and very concerned and um, going, you know, the electric company's not going to take a bucket of wheat for <laughs> our pay our bill. Right. <laughs> you know, we no longer had our cushion. And uh, I think as a woman, the security thing is is a little unnerving. So I got up 
and I was just praying and, and just crying out to the Lord. And I just kind of dumped on him. And, and it's funny how we ask the Lord these questions. I was like, Lord, are you sure we did the right thing? Are you sure we're not crazy? Are you sure this is what we were supposed to do? And, you know, and I'm like, and oh my gosh, we're preppers. We're, we're food storage people. We're weird. You know, this is crazy. And uh, it was really, I just unloaded on him. And so, um, you know, I know enough of the Bible that I could have found a scripture to speak to me, but I don't do that. When I'm mm. up, you know, when I'm unloading on the Lord, I unload and then I just give it to him and I pray for an answer. And then I just go about my daily Bible reading and my day. You know, sometimes he'll speak to me right away. No, hold so, on to that thought. We're okay. going to share what oh, verse that was in a okay, second. Okay, we're leaving them hanging. Good All cliffhanger right. here. Good yeah. cliffhanger. All right. <laughs> So thank you for joining us. Uh, Sue Becker is our guest today, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes, but she's only here because of you. You brought her here. Thank you for supporting this ministry. It's your support that allows others to see this show into the future, just as someone donated in the past for you to see this today. So we ask that you would continue that, that good tradition, and uh, we'll be back in two minutes. Thank you. Thank you for your support of Shabbat Night Live. I hope that this show is changing the way you think about bread and about wheat and different things. I'm definitely being challenged. Uh, Sue, you're about to tell us the conclusion of your story about yes. your vision being uh, like Joseph. All this grain is all over the place. You've received twice the amount you were expecting. We were expecting, yes. And then The savings Yehovah. account is diminished, yes. and so I'm concerned. So I cry out to the Lord, just go to my regular Bible reading, and I'll show you. This is a little calendar so just part, just one little simple part of my Bible reading every day. But um, it's from David Wilkerson's ministry. I've been getting 40 years plus, maybe. And it's funny, sometimes my husband will be riding along and we'll just go and get, and he goes, what's our verse for the day? And God has just used it. I think God does that. He knows what you use. So mm -hmm. he uses that miraculously to speak to you. And so um, I cried out to the Lord and then I just went through reading my Bible. And then I was like, I wonder what my verse for the day is. I will read you my verse for that day. Proverbs eleven twenty six. The people will curse him who holds back grain when the public needs it. But a blessing from God and man is upon the head of him who sells it. Oh, wow. I put my Bible down and I was... No longer afraid. That was no that day. No longer afraid. That day, that moment. Wow. And I could hardly wait for Brad to wake up. Mind you, this was the middle of the night and we, <laughs> er, well, early morning. I'm a very early rise. But I just, you know, when I shared it with Brad, he just looked at me and he said, I can think of no other verse in the Bible that God could have spoken mo more clearly to you. Because right after he gave us the vision of Joseph, the story of Joseph came to us from everywhere. In fact, David Wilkerson, two weeks huh. later, there's a, the Joseph Company and my son's Sunday school class was studying Joseph at church. So that was all going on. But the, he could have sent me there. But this verse so spoke to my heart because what he showed me, you don't hold back grain when the public needs it. You, it's there to supply people mm -hmm. with that grain. You don't be ashamed of selling it. That was a terrible, that when we started our business, I was all excited. But again, it was like, ooh, I'm selling things now. But yeah. it's a way of life. I mean, it's, it's what life is. That's what we the Bible says. Sell. Yeah. Sell it. Don't yeah. give it away. Yes. You sell. It's okay. You can sell and it. So, and that's what God was like. It's okay. You don't have to apologize. It's okay. And it is what it is. And you will be used. And it. I found it interesting that that was in November of 1992, what do you know? Do you remember what happened seven years later, 99? We were on the throes of what? 
Y2K. Mm, and I thought, yes. this is it. This is the seven years, you know. This is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing this. And that <laughs> came and went, and we supplied grain then, and then something so else. So people were in a panic at that point, were they? Oh, gosh, yes. Calling you oh, and yes. saying, I need a bucket oh, yeah. of grain. And... More than a bucket. Wow. Trailer loads. Oh, and wow. Yes, but you know what makes me sad? Not too long after, for, you know, sometime after that, we would get calls from people. I just dumped it all out when we didn't need it. Ah, no. I'm like... You're kidding. And that's what we were talking about earlier. Ugh. Preparing is not just storing food. It is getting healthy and strong right. and just well, as unencumbered with medication. We may not always be able to get away from it. but And I'm not saying the bread is the end all and the cure all and will mm-hmm. change everything. I always, when people come and say, do I have this, do you think it will help? I'm like, I don't know, but you'll at least poop every day. Well, listen. <laughs> We talked before the cameras yeah. came on that I, I've been vegan for, so, well, yeah. I was vegan for many years, yeah. and now I'm still gluten-free Yeah. because I thought that was the problem. And we'll get into more episodes yeah. here, yeah. but that is not the problem. And no. so I think folks might be surprised to learn that I went on your website and I bought a 42-pound, six-gallon bucket of grain. of grain, of red hard spring wheat. Yep. Is that how you say it? Red hard yep. spring wheat? Hard All right. Mm-hmm. And I was asking one of you, the folks uh, at your business about, okay, well, if I don't use this, that was my wife's concern. Well, we yeah. don't even eat bread. It's just going to go bad sitting in our emergency yeah. closet. Yeah. So it's it's in the emergency closet right now, but we're going to drag it out. Yeah. Uh, but I asked her, uh, the person who works with you, and I said, is this going to going to uh, spoil? And she said, no. And so I'd like you to explain why the stuff that yeah. the bread becker supplies doesn't go bad. Right. Grains are seeds. Go back to Genesis. Mm-hmm. What type of food did God give us? Genesis 1, 29, mm-hmm. right? Or 26, 29. So he says, I've given you plants that mm-hmm. bear seed for food, and I've given you plants that bear fruit with seeds in them. Okay? Very important. Two different types of group. Fruits and vegetables, very nutritious full of vitamins and minerals. I just did a podcast on fruits and vegetables. Add them to your diet everywhere, you know. Full of fiber, full of vitamins and minerals, but what happens to them over time? They decay, Mm -hmm. they rot, they lose nutrients. The the enzymes actually cause them to, they're supposed to decay. Yes, exactly. And um, not so with seeds, not so with grains. God gave us those. They're storable. Think Mm -hmm. about it. They're a seed. If If they weren't storable... We would have nothing to plant for next year's crop. And your business goes to the next level. I mean, I yeah. was told there's you do something that uh, to with some type of gas inside yeah. your buckets. Yeah, so seeds are storable as mm-hmm. long as you keep them away from water, uh, bugs, and rodents, mm-hmm. pests. So um, that's why we store it and package it um, in six. Ga- well, we're doing some now in five gallon buckets. <laughs> this whole bucket dilemma since COVID <laughs> has been a problem. So five and six gallon buckets, and we do carbon dioxide gas that there's nothing living that can live without oxygen. Okay. Mm. So if, you know, it kind of disgusts some people to think about this, but these are seeds. They're grown outside. They're stored in grain elevators, you know, just like your fruit and vegetable could have a bug on it that you don't see sure. anyway. So there could be something there that you can't see with the eye. So we um, put carbon dioxide gas, displaces the oxygen, so that if there's anything there, an egg or anything, mm-hmm. it, it's done. It's killed. But it doesn't hurt the grain at all because right. it's just and gas. And it's sealed and it's and good. It's, yep, but understand sealed. that even after you open it. Yeah, the carbon dioxide's done its job. So as long as you, and that's why we store it in buckets, we really recommend the buckets um, as long as you keep it away from moisture, it doesn't matter. The 
carbon dioxide gas mm. has done its job. So it doesn't matter if you open it. It's not like wow. a canned tomato or something. Right. If you open it, then you got to use it. So it's good. It's done its job. Um, we love something that we call gamma lids. It's a lid that you replace that hard to get on and off mm -hmm. lid so that this is a screw on lid so you can get in and well, out. Oh, I have one of those containers. They're yeah. excellent. Yeah, yeah the, with the gamma lid. Mm -hmm. Well, you put the lid on the buckets that we sell. Oh, so, really? Yeah, we sell the gamma lids and it's oh. just a, yeah. So that way you can screw the lid on and off and that huh. just as long as you keep that grain closed, it doesn't matter how much you go in and out of it. Grains are storable. Now that brings up an interesting point. So that's the grain. The grains are perfect. Like we know even when uh, they find grain from thousands of yep. years ago in, in a dig yep. somewhere. They're still It'll, good. They'll still grow. That's exactly right. That's what amazing. I tell people. Left whole and intact, these are seeds. They're storable. They're mm. just as nutritious today as they will be next week, next month, next year. Thousands of years from now. 3,000 years from now. Wow. Tombs in Egypt discovered grains of wheat and uh, seeds in them. They planted them. They grew. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, now, it's just so fascinating. Now, that's not the case with our next topic here is, so flour. Yeah. So this is so the disconnect people are having. You've explained it to me, and maybe you can explain it better than I can. It's, you know, when we see bread in the store, we see, oh, it's whole grain, therefore it's good. Yeah. But there's a disconnect where there's a time element here, and something happens when the flour is ground and yeah. then left. It gets oxidized. Exactly. That's exactly. Okay, so think of your kernel of grain. The hard outer surface, several layers thick, is known as the bran. The bran's function to that seed is keep it intact, protect mm -hmm. the integrity and the life of the seed. Vitamins, loaded with vitamins, minerals, fibers, phybonutrients, enzymes, even organisms live on that, you know. Down in the interior part of the seed is the germ. That's mm -hmm. the life of the plant. Everything mm. the plant's ever going to be, do, that's what it's come from. That's where the little sprout comes from. And um, full of vitamins, minerals, protein. That's A lot of people don't think there's protein in grains. There are. It's almost oh, a complete protein. Me. I know. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> but the oils are in the germ as well. Your rich vitamin, uh, wheat germ oil, a lot of people, rich source of vitamin E. Mm. Everything else in that kernel of grain is what's called the endosperm. It's little packets of protein and starch that for the seed is actually the food for the little germinating sprout. And that's what it nourishes it nourishes that sprout until the sprout can make roots and grow into okay. a plant with leaves like so an it can egg get... white is for the yolk yes okay mm -hmm. it's it's nourishment until it can develop roots and leaves to get its nourishment from the soil and that so that's what the endosperm it's mm. protein and starch okay so here's the deal whole and intact storable once you break that kernel of grain open like in the milling process you mill it into flour a process known as oxidation begins immediately. You do not have to be a food scientist to understand oxidation. You've all cut an apple and watched it turn dark. You, mm -hmm. you can see it, you know, a banana, a pear, an yeah. avocado. That's because of the oils and the vitamins and the nutrients when they're exposed to the air. Oxidation, it's a fact of life. It takes mm -hmm. place. And so the nutrients begin to oxidize. And in the first day, I've read you can lose as much as 45% of the vitamins and minerals and things that are there. Spoilage begins immediately. Most of the oxidation is going to occur right after the flour mm. is milled, shortly after the flour and is milled. I think something you and I will know, but maybe folks don't know, is that when you oxidize, oxidation is the issue with disease. Yes. For example, oxidized cholesterol is the problem that causes all of the exactly. domino effects there. So oxidation is when 
the oxy oxygen comes into the molecular structure and things change. Yes. And that's why the changes yeah. happen in the food. Oxygen so is necessary for all life, mm -hmm. but it also needs a protector. We can maybe talk about that in another sure, segment, yeah. the vitamin E. But anyway, so um, that's what begins to happen. The nutrients begin to oxidize and the oils that are there, of course, we all know oils oxidize very rapidly. They, that's what causes spoilage and rancidity. So to prevent the flour from spoiling, someone discovered if we sift that nutrient-rich bran away, that oil-laden germ away, and leave only the protein and starch, this flour won't spoil. Hmm. It led to the invention of these huge steel roller, they're called roller mills, because the grain would drop down in and it would crush it, and then it would send it through sifters that would sift the bran and germ away and leave this long-lasting hmm. white flour. All of this took place in the early 1900s. By about 1910, white bread, white flour had replaced the mm. freshly milled whole, whole grain flour that had been being used. Because prior to the 1900s, most of the bread was in the, eaten and consumed in this country was made at home. Either they got their flour from a local miller or they had the capacity to mill the grain themselves at home. But with the steel rolling mills, this was like, hallelujah, mm. <laughs> wonderful discovery. I don't have, because they were hand mills then. I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to make my bread. And so the steel rolling mills displaced the local millers. They went out to the wheat fields, to the grain fields, and that's where the flour mills are today. And white flour, white bread became food for the masses. First time in the history of the world, really, because white flour was reserved for wealthy, royalty, the kings, if you remember. Oh, so it did exist before. Oh yeah, they figured okay. out ways to sift the, sift the bran and germ. Not anything like the white flour we have today, but nonetheless, it was, it was sifted out. But poor people couldn't afford that. They didn't have servants and bakers. Do you remember Joseph's? Mm. Yeah, the baker. The baker. <laughs> hey, and, the... and do you know who was hung? It was the baker, because uh. he was doing terrible things, I guess, to the bread. I don't know, but anyway. <laughs> So yeah, they had they had ways of sifting it, and um, you know Proverbs twenty three tells us, be careful when you sit down to the king's table, do not crave his dainties and his delicacies. Uh. I always thought when I read that verse that it was probably you know foods offered to idols or weird things that biblically were unclean, mm -hmm. but. Dainties and delicacies, I say now, I interpret that as white flower fluffy things, yeah. you know? So this became food for the masses. And what happened was totally unexpected. Disease became epidemic, three mm. in particular. A disease known as beriberi, um, which is a nervous disorder. It's a vitamin B1, which is thiamine um, deficiency. Pellagra is another disease that became epidemic at the time. That's a vitamin B3 deficiency, niacin. Um, interesting information about pellagra. It particularly plagued the southeastern United States. Uh, why and, is that? Um, mostly because I think the southeastern Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, maybe even, um, their predominant grain food was wheat and corn. 
That's why Southerners, and we grow soft wheat here, which is more your pastry flour. It's not your uh. yeast bread flour. And so we're known for biscuits and cornbread, right? Yeah. So you start messing with the wheat. Corn was not a good um, source of niacin. Mm-hmm. So we lost that B3, mm. you know, naturally from our food. What I think most people don't realize is Grains were the predominant food source of most people. You know, a lot of times it was bread. That's what you ate, you know, cornbread. You didn't You didn't have a lot of other things. So anyway, so that became epidemic. In fact, the first case of pellagra was diagnosed in Atlanta, Georgia. There were over 30,000 cases of pellagra in the first year. Pellagra is a disease. They call it the disease of the four Ds. It's um, dysentery terrible GI disturbances, skin eruptions, uh, nose, they would have sores on their nose. So dermatitis, dementia, it makes you go mentally insane. Hmm. And then death, people were dying. In fact, one study I read said that mental institutions in Georgia and South Carolina were literally overflowing. They did not have enough beds to house the patients. Anemia was the third problem. So they start seeing these thinking, some of them are infectious. Eventually though, health officials all over the country realize it's the missing vitamins, minerals, nutrients Mm. that were lost when they took out the bran and germ. So they went to the millers. They said, you got to put that stuff back in. The millers of course go, "Uh uh-uh, we've found a very lucrative part, you know, business for the byproducts Mm -hmm. of the milling process. You know, so the brand so what do they use it for? Cattle feed. And oh. it's still done today and it's done around the world. Yeah. So the cattle get the good stuff. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. In fact, one of my trips to Haiti, I was in the market and Haiti's one of the poorest countries, I think, in the world, certainly the this hemisphere. But anyway, I was in the market and here you have people starving and there was this bag, like a fifty pound sack with the top rolled back and a little cup, you know, in the street market and I looked at the young man I had taught about the bread and he was making bread there. And I said, what is this? And he goes, oh, you know, he couldn't remember the words, the English words. And he goes, the stuff they take out of the bread because it looked like bran. Mm. And I'm like, why is it? Why are they selling this? What's this for? And he goes, oh, it's pig feed. I'm like, the people are starving and we're feeding the pigs. <laughs> so it's still sold. And, and now, you know, here in this country, it's used as the base to make wow. cattle feed. So anyway, um, eventually they, um, the government stepped in and mandated that they must enrich the flour. Hmm. So they put three B vitamins and iron back in. As if that was going to solve the problem. Right, right. To replace the more than 35, wow. 40, who knows? Let's yeah. pick this up next week because that, that's an interesting it's, it's history amazing. of what's happened here. Yes. And so would you join us for another week? Yes, okay, absolutely. Great. Thank you. All right. So you are watching Sue Becker of The Bread Beckers. You can go to uh, thebreadbeckers.com. Yes, breadbeckers.com. Breadbeckers.com. Yes. All right. So you can find her there. And in the meantime, uh, look into the history of wheat. We're going to cover more of this next week, and we hope you will join us. Until then, Shuvo Atov. Have a great week. We'll see you next time on Shabbat Night Live.